this is my kind of people. This is my kind of writing. This is the, you know, just something more exciting. And I could, could discover different places that I never could dis- discover before. When I came back, he had, he had an offer letter for me. Um, he had an offer for Austin Moto Adventures. I mean, there, there's all kinds of training schools out there. There's all kinds of things, but we really want to set this up as a, a world-class, truly world-class premier experience. And there aren't many places like that. You know, there aren't many places up there that give that kind of experience. And so just because you've been writing for 20 or plus years or 10 years or whatever it is, and you've done all these expeditions, there's always going to be something that you can learn in the basics or even just get reminded that's something that you learned a long time ago that it clicks and you're like, man, I've been doing this wrong for so many years. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode number four of the Backcountry ADV Moto Podcast. And once again, I got a special guest on. Um, you've probably seen him in some of my videos and definitely on Instagram. We've done a lot of things together in the past. Uh, he's kind of known for being the um, the motorcycle guru and the backcountry store owner, I guess you'd like to say, for the Idaho BDR. Funny story with that. We'll get into that in a, in a little bit. But um Josh Jones, a really good friend of mine. He's uh, ex-military, ex-government contractor, uh, again, backcountry store owner, uh, motorcycle instructor, kind of a jack of all trades. So let's uh, let's welcome on Josh Jones, man. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, bud. How's it going? Not too shabby. Yeah. You've got a lot going on these days. Dude, it's, it's just never ending. It's... <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you know, it was like, what's, what's, what's the flavor of the month this time? That's right. It's like, every time I talk to you, it's like something new. I mean, all exciting stuff, good stuff. It's never, never like a bunch of drama or anything, but yeah, man, you've, you've got a lot of, a lot of things going on, a lot of good stuff coming down the pike for sure. But, um, you're in Austin, Texas now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think last time we talked, I was supposed to be moving up to Spokane. <laughs> I know it's you funny. Know? Josh, Josh came to my house and spent a few days, uh, helped me with some stuff here at the store, um, doing some remodel. And we, we were set up to have him come up here and, and move to Spokane area. And he was going to do some work for Harley and not even like a week and a half later, he's like, Hey, I'm moving to moving to Austin, Texas. I'm like, Oh, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Of course. Like you're, you're like previous hometown too. Yeah. Right. Just North of where I used to live for sure. Yeah. We're always like bouncing around each other too. Cause I mean, I know you, you, well, we met when you were, you were full-time RV and then, then I went full-time RV because of you (laughs) (laughs) and and then you came off being full-time RV and then it moved into Idaho and I bounced around for a few years, full-time RV and then ended up in Idaho anyways. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just, we've, we've known each other for several years now and have never lived close to each other, but we see each other quite a bit and at the very least in passing. So um, yeah, let's kind of talk about that. So how, how we met, um, like you had mentioned already, uh, back in, was it like 20, I guess like 2016, my wife and I were full-time RVing, traveling around the country and, uh, just carrying our adventure bikes with us and everything. And I decided to take a course, like a, a training, like most people should, if you're going to kind of get serious about adventure riding and started doing a Google search and rawhide popped up and Lo and behold, it wasn't actually very far from where we were at the time. So I took, t- took the course. My wife took it with us. It was great, great class. She enjoyed it, um, learned a whole lot, um, broke some bad habits that I had. But I, I met you as one of my instructors there and, uh, had, like I said, had a great time, learned a lot from you and 
saw you take that GS and kind of blow my mind with it because I was on an Africa Twin at the time. I had just gotten it That's and right, did not yeah. know, did not know that the uh, the GS was as capable as it was. And that was kind of cool about that course is that it showed you know normal guys about how capable that the the GS it actually is. But yeah. fast forward a few months, um, you're living in Las Vegas, kind of commuting back and forth to the to the training course, and we just happened to be passing through and we went on a ride together outside yeah. of training and kind of uh hit it off man it was like a like a blind date yeah all right we pe- we became best friends <laughs> yeah like instantly <laughs> right it's like oh man and uh, yeah coming out of there uh out of, out of vegas i remember it was like the fir- the very first time we like both hit off road right away and um i ended up getting stuck you had a vi- you had a video of that and be yeah, stuff like I'll see right if I can find thing. that and post that somewhere in here. But yeah, man, that was that was funny. <laughs> yeah, we were like, like, I think we were on our way to the Pioneer Saloon or something. Yeah. We were just like, oh, yeah. let's take this random way, and then all of a sudden, it's just like silt, just right silt. Now. And then, and at the time, it seemed like the longest sand wash I've ever been in. Yeah, like <laughs> just that long sand wash in between um, where we were at that time and and the, the Alpine Saloon or. Alpine. What was it called again? The saloon. The, uh, Pioneer. Pioneer. Saloon. Pioneer Saloon. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, I mean like prior to that, that I mean, you've you've been a like lot of things. First, that was like your first kind of big big outing into you know into adventure like around for all around that time frame, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I living in Oregon, I had done all the original Oregon BDRs, and it, there's just a huge difference in Northwest riding versus mm. desert riding and sand and rocks and all that good stuff, you know? So, uh, when we traveled, it was, I got, I got to kind of taste everything when it came to adventure riding and, and it really kind of opened up my eyes to like, okay, this is, this is something that could really like really get kind of addicted to because, um, the Northwest has some great places to offer, but really the U S in general has amazing places. And you got to see all that when we traveled. So, I mean, I rode everywhere from Florida to New York to, you know, Washington down to, Southern California. I mean, like all four corners of the country and everything in between. So yeah, uh, traveling full time with an adventure bike was ideal. I didn't put a whole lot of miles on the bike cause I would right trailer trailer right where we were going, but I got to, I got to yeah. do a lot of cool day rides and a couple of overnights. I mean, shoot, I even did, uh, Fairbanks to Prudhoe Bay at that time, dead horse mm-hmm. um, when, yep. we were, when we were in Alaska and got to do some riding in Canada too, which was really fun. But anyway, um, did your, did your wife have, she had an 800? F eight hundred. No man, at the time she had that uh, that BMW G six fifty, that Scrambler. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a similar motor to what the old uh, like Dakar six fifty had, mm-hmm. the the Rotax motor, but it yeah. was in this like awkward. I mean, it was such a fun bike though, like that little <laughs> that little Scrambler. It looked awkward riding it because you kind of felt like you were just right on top of the the front wheel, but. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, dude, it just, the thing just ripped because it didn't weigh anything. I think it weighed like 300 pounds right? or less. Yeah. I mean, it was nuts. Yeah, with with a 650 motor seat. in it. <laughs> yeah. Gas tank was under the seat. I mean, it was, it was, it was a cool little bike, but she did, she did raw height on that. And she rode quite a bit too, when we were traveling, but, um, you know, it wasn't her thing for the most part. She wanted to go out and do, you know, cemetery tours and stuff like that in Louisiana and that kind of stuff, you know? cooking classes so right (laughs) but let's uh let's talk about some of just you know as much as you want to talk about kind of your past what you've what you've done i know um you were in the coast guard so we can kind of start there you did how many years in the coast guard 
Yeah, I uh, did, uh, did about three years in the Coast Guard. Um, went, to, went to the Coast Guard Academy um, yeah. there in New London, Connecticut, and got to be on the uh, shoot the, the Eagle, Cutter Eagle, um, the Escanaba, uh, did some training out of, out of um, uh, shoot, air station. Uh, one of the air stations, I wanted to get into helicopters was my biggest thing. Um, I'd gotten into, out of high school, gotten into um, Naval Academy. I got an appointment to Naval Academy and West Point and Coast Guard. And uh, my heart was actually set on going to West Point. And I wanted, you know, I wanted to fly Apaches, you know. Yeah. Just like, yeah like, Who doesn't, right? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I ended up doing a, a summer seminar over at, at West Point and got to talking to some of the people in the flight program. And then a lot of them actually were kind of deterring me from, from going. They were just like, you know, if you really want to fly helicopters, you should really look at, at Coast Guard. And as a career, as a, you know, Coast Guard pilot, I mean, you just have so many more options because you, you get so much more flying time, you know, when you yeah. go out and train in the Coast Guard. That, that was the other thing about the service that I really liked. It's like when you're training, you're actually doing your job. You know, it's right. like you're not tra- training, you're not training for war, you know, you're training for law enforcement, you're training in ace to navigation, you're training in ice operations or, you know, search and rescue, whatever, and, you know, you're actually actively doing it while training. Um, so that was really attractive to that whole thing. And, um, and then the, uh, the, and the helicopter thing, they're just like, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's cool. We fly like every other week or something and blow stuff up. But, you know, at the end of it, it's like, you know, with the Coast Guard pilots, because you go out all the time in all weather conditions and stuff like you got first placement in anything after afterwards, you know, commercially, whether it's, you know, medevac, uh, you know, air ambulance um, or, you know, commercial commercial flight and everything like that. But law enforcement, police, you know, there's there's always a need. You know, yeah, lots companies, of like whatever. real on the job training. Right. Right. So, yeah. So that's kind of what steered me that direction. Um, and then I ended up not staying in long enough to be able to go to, um, uh, you know, go do flight school and everything like that. Um, yeah. but I had an opportunity to, um, I was either going to reenlist down in, uh, down in Florida and go to a port security, uh, port security unit, or I had an opportunity to go uh, defense contractor and working in counter narcotics, working with, um, uh, different contracts in in that world. And I was like, Hey, I could do a lot of the same stuff and get paid a yeah. whole hell of a lot more money. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like E3 or so military pay versus government contractor. You're like, oh, right. I think I'll take the get, government contractor. Getting 150 grand a year tax free or yeah. You know, <laughs> it's right. Right. So, so yeah, I decided to go um, government contracting and, and that was, that was awesome. I mean, I got to work all through central South America, worked with DEA, worked with secret service, worked Worked in Afghanistan. I was in Afghanistan, uh, 2009, um, 2009, 2010 timeframe. And, and just, yeah, really, really, really cool stuff. Really, Very um, cool. just really neat things. And it was, you know, technology, technology, security. Um, and we were setting up essentially mesh networks before mesh and cloud and all that stuff was a thing. Wow. Yeah. It was, uh, o- over a whole country, you know, and, doing joint operations with, um, you know, with, with those, all those different entities out there is just uh, very, very cool. cool. Yeah. So what, uh, what spurred you to get into motorcycles then? How did that, what was the, where was the, the chain reaction there? <laughs> uh, 
Well, I, I'm, I've always, I've ridden motorcycles for a long time. And actually I, I, I was, I started off on cruisers. My, you know, my, my family, my, especially my aunt, she was kind of the biggest catalyst. Um, she passed away a few years ago, but uh, she was the biggest catalyst. She was just this badass biker chick you know, awesome. and we'd always go see her at the, at the rallies, like rolling thunder rallies and stuff. And, you know, when I got old enough to, to actually ride myself, um, and got my own bike, she bought me my first gremlin bell, you know, uh, and, yeah. and I, I still carry it to this day. I still keep it in my, keep it in my, my vest and, and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I was in the cruiser world and, you know, I, I, I patched in to, to, a to, a to an MC and everything. We were a subsidiary under the booze fighters and, you know, did that whole, whole thing, that whole lifestyle for, for a bit. And it just, I don't know, I got kind of tired of that type of riding, um, bar hopping and just, you know, uh, with the whole pack and, you know, yeah, wear your rock leathers with your rockers and, you know, oh, you know, <laughs> brother, brother, you know, that kind of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that, that whole deal. And, uh, you know, I, and I've had a lot of, you know, amazing friends and people I'm still friends with to this day, but I just, I don't know, I was looking for something different. And then I ended up and my father rode too. Um, and I actually learned to ride on his, he had a 1942 Norton. Um, wow. Very yeah, cool. And, yeah. And it's whole long story with that, but you know, we, we lived overseas growing up. And so we lived in India and when I was old enough to wheel the bike, um, I was able to ride that and he showed me how to ride that, that 1942. Nice. nice. So that kind of like, you know, spurred the interest too. Yeah. You, you come from a family that's kind of been all over the world, right? Like your dad has, has had business and has worked in, I'm going to get like, jump into all what your family has done, but both your mom and your dad have had a extensive background and just world travel and working for the entities they work for. So you've mm-hmm. kind of been thrown in just to, being more probably more worldly than what most Americans have, which is probably probably some of the best experiences I would imagine that you've had. Um, you and I were having a conversation not that long ago about I'm, I'm going to Costa Rica in like a 30 days or so. And um, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I spent what would you say, like months in Costa Rica? No, I lived three years in Costa Rica, <laughs> three years. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, oh, my, well, that's awesome. My uh, my youngest sister was born in Costa Rica, actually. So crazy. Yeah. So, so it's funny because we we talk we talk about like you know where she so she was born in Costa Rica. My other sister was born in Argentina, and I'm like I was born in Colombia, Colombia, Maryland, not Colombia yeah, yeah. country. So, <laughs> so I was like the only one that that didn't get a, a an exotic place to be born. The, out yeah, of. the boring place to be born, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so so you're you're getting kind of tired of this whole uh, you know Harley slash cruiser life and. Um, yeah. what kind of gave you the bug to jump into off-road bikes? Uh, so my, my dad and I would always try to do, you know, we'd rent bikes or something. You know, like in, if we were in Hawaii or something, we're just like, oh, let's get a couple Harleys and ride around or something. And we'd, we always talked about doing these trips, you know, like father-son trips and everything. And um, we actually ended up seeing long way around, long way down, like the whole like typical story, yeah. like everybody right. has, right? I mean, and that's my story, I, so... Yeah. Yeah. Like I saw that and I was like, that's kind of freaking cool. Like, you know, this whole BM, you know, BMW adventure thing. And, and so we, we talked about it. I was just like, Hey, I, you know, like, let's try to look, look into this trip and everything. And, you know, we were all excited. Like, you know what to do? It was like, I don't know how to ride these 
things, you know, <laughs> off road. And we actually, so we did it backwards. We ended up both actually buying BMWs. Um, I sold, I had a, I was in a victory cross country. I had a Yamaha V star. Um, and I had a, so my first adventure bike when I started getting the thing was a, a KTM uh, 640. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had that bike too. Yeah. I had yeah, it for was, about a month because the yeah. first, after the first trip, I was like, screw this thing. Yeah. Yeah. It sucked. <laughs> yeah. It just, I mean, it's, uh, it's a cool bike, but if anybody who's ever ridden that more than 60 miles an hour for more than 60 minutes, you know that you can't feel your feet or your hands when it's all said and done. It's just a paint shaker. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I was just like, man, is this, this is what, what and that was my intro to dirt bikes. You know, that was my first <laughs> dirt bike. And I'm like, yeah. God, this is horrible. Like, you know, coming from riding, you know, cruisers and, you know, the Victory and the Harley and all that stuff. And it's just like, you know, I mean, yeah, those things shake, but not like that. <laughs> right. And, and the 640, it, it truly is. I mean, it's a, it's basically a 450 frame. I mean, people are probably going to freak out when I say this. But I mean, essentially, it's a 450 frame with a 640 cc motor and an eight gallon gas gas tank. It's like, yeah let's just hodgepodge this thing together and, and turn it into what, what you want to call it adventure bike. It was kind of the little brother, I guess, of what, like the nine, nine ninety or nine fifty, Right. Um, because I think there adventure. was like a, there was a six twenty five. I thought there was something, uh, I, can't, I can't remember what the, uh, what the other one was. It, it, it looked funny. It looked like Dakar, but like it had alien. Weird, yeah. yeah. Alien googly eyes. I'm going to drive me nuts, which, I wish that which one that was, but maybe it was a 640, but the LC eight or whatever. Yeah. 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 I, I have a picture of mine somewhere. I'll, I'll show the guys here while we're talking yeah. about it. Yeah. It's I a, think it's I've, a, I've, got, I've got mine too. <laughs> was yours orange or silver? It was orange at a black, at a black tank, the oversized like Safari land black tank. And, oversized. Um, Jeez. Mine came with an eight gallon tank. Like that's from the factory. Yeah. <laughs> oversized is like bigger than that. Holy moly. Yeah. You know, that was even a thing. Yeah. Crazy. And yeah, that was, that was, that didn't live very long. <laughs> no. And, I, and I, then bought, I bought that bike between having a V Strom and my AT. It was just like, I went from a V Strom because I thought that was an adventure bike. And it, it was, I guess. I took it places that it should never have been. And I wanted something more off road worthy. So I got the 640 and literally did one trip on it in the summertime and was like, nope, this is not what I'm looking for. Yeah. But sorry, I kind of yeah. cut you off. No, no, no. And then, and then, you know, that was like, I was like, because I knew I wanted to get into this thing. I was like, well, I don't know if I want to go full on, you know, full on BMW. So it's like, yeah, looked at the KTM and then, you know, went through the whole rabbit hole that everybody else does. Like, oh, should I buy a KLR 650? You know, not? it's like, yeah. because yeah, that's the, that's the Alaska bike. That's the bike that, yeah, it's the, it's the cockroach, you know, that that'll never die. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and then I'm glad I didn't, fall into that trap <laughs> so yeah you know i hate to piss off all you klr diehards but you know it's a great um, bike man i mean it's it's just it's it's just a acquired taste i guess you know it depends on what you want to do with it and how much you want to spend because you can get a bike that can go around the world for 6500 bucks brand new you know mm -hmm. i mean maybe not now probably more than that now but you could find yeah. a klr was it like a gen 2 or gen 3 for three yeah. grand all day just, on craigslist just, right just now the, the gen 2 is the different plastics right <laughs> right right yeah yeah but yeah and so and then i i'm i kind of kicking myself because 
there was this it was a ktm 990 the dakar one the the one that's like kind of purplish and orange yeah 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 and it was like 12 grand or like 11.9 or something like that and i i should have bought it i should have bought it and especially knowing now like you know how valuable those things are and it yeah for sure a lot of models you know at that time it was like yeah man i should get that and then um ended up passing on it or i I lost out on the bid it was like an ebay bid or something oh gotcha i lost out on it and it was like okay cool i didn't need to spend that but anyways (laughs) so uh but but then yeah i was just like you know what like let me just go full stupid we'll just jump in and and just get the bmw and and ride that thing and so i ended up getting one and my dad got one and and we and we found the train you know this training school rawhide right out there and i was like hey like i was i was living in um i was living in california at the time um and i was just like hey there's this place like not too far up the road that's here that like teaches you know how you how to ride this thing like let's sign up and you know do a father-son thing and um and then do a ride out to mojave and stuff like that afterwards and so i want to say about a month before going i decide to take the gs my gs off-road because i'm like this thing does everything right yeah it'll ride itself and (laughs) i wadded myself up on this trail it and got into these switchbacks and just completely lost it fell over and I'm like, oh crap! I scratched my brand new bike. Right, right. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how to get the thing up. And it's a, it's an incline like this, and it was a switchback that I just lost traction and went over and almost went off the edge. And then, like, I had no idea how to pick up the thing, how to turn it around, and everything. It took me like probably 35, 40 minutes to get the oh, thing wow. up. And then, like, I finally got it up, and then I'm trying to get it up to a flat spot instead of turning it around or, you know, like just the things we know how to do now. Right. Yeah. Um, Pivot it on the cylinder head. Yeah, exactly. And just, I muscled it up this thing and I'm just like, okay, I'm way at over my head on this, this deal and stuff. And I managed to get out of there. It was like an hour just to get turned around and off the side of this hill. And I was exhausted. (laughs) And and so anyways, we, we show, we show up, uh, to we show up to rawhide to, to do our to do our class and everything and i rode i'm just like yeah we're gonna ride that and he shows up in a rental car and he decided he wasn't gonna bring his brand new bike yeah he rented one and i had i had mine so i was like screw it i'm getting the badges first badges of honor on mine anyways and stuff so, yeah yeah anyway, very so cool. that kind of that kind of set off you know the whole i was just like man i love this type of like this is my kind of people this is my kind of writing this is the you know just something more exciting and i could could discover different places that that i never could just discover before absolutely i mean the 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 culture i mean it's similar as far as like you want to call it brotherhood to um to cruiser writing and whatnot it's just i mean there like i said there's some some similarities but i think at the end of the day the, the best part about it is that it doesn't matter what you ride or what it looks like, you know, the bike looks like if you're, if you pass somebody on a trail, you know, you're going to give the nod, you're going to give, you know, a hand if anybody needs help or anything. Um, I can't even imagine how many people that we've seen on, on the trail and Hey, you guys, okay. Do you need anything? And you know, most of the time the answer is no, but sometimes it's, Hey, I haven't seen my buddy in 20 minutes. 
if you pass him, let him know I'm here, you know, just little stuff like that. I mean, the culture is great and everybody's always willing to, to help each other out. So, um, and you know, you're not just kind of stuck to the pavement all the time. You can literally go anywhere and find new things and find new places and get away from people if that's your thing. And yeah, it's just, it's just a great experience in my opinion that there's nothing else, nothing else touches it as far as motorcycle riding goes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it incorporates so many aspects of, I mean, backpacking, you know, backpacking and hiking and, you know, the adventuring side and how you pack and, you know, and everything. And you're being self-sufficient to live off of your bike and you got to bring the supplies and the tools and just extra spares or just, and just being prepared, you know, it's essentially your motorcycle is your bug out kit, you know? Yeah. It's preparedness. um, It's uh, like resilience. It's, it's everything that people are, you know, can, can lose nowadays into one package. It is, it is kind of a way to step back and obviously it's not a horse or a buggy or anything like that, you know, but, um, back when people traveled across the country and using those type of things, you know, they had to be self-sufficient. And when you're on a motorcycle, granted, you know, it doesn't take long to get out of the woods and find somewhere like fuel or food or whatever. But I mean, you can literally, if you want to, you can go from coast to coast or uh, Canada to Mexico, maybe you can cross pavement, but if you wanted to, you could, you could do it without ever having to, you know, maybe do anything, but get gas. You know, we, we did that years ago. Um, Dan and I went from Canada to Mexico and really we just crossed pavement. We took a couple of pavement runs just to, again, to, to get, uh, to restock fuel and food and, um, get parts when we needed it. But that was, that was really it. We would jump back on the trail and we did almost 3000 miles of dirt. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, just a whole lot more of a dynamic experience and, and yeah. putting you into, into situations and kind of getting that, um, I don't know, sort of that, that, that excitement, you know, you, you had, um, and you, you do develop that sort of camaraderie too with the, with the folks you ride with. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. Things we've, things we've experienced, um, you know, the extremes and the stories and everything that, that we have, it's just kind of like, it's just more of a bonding thing and, you know, her inside yeah. jokes and, and all that kind of stuff. It, the, the two adventure rides, the two BDR rides that we've been on together, both have kind of been shit shows. <laughs> yeah, they have. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's, it's an experience every time. It's like, okay, what yeah. kind of crazy thing is going to happen to us on this one? So- let's let's steer into that while we're talking about it then so josh and i the first first real ride that we do multi-day ride we do together um besides some of the the day rides we had done uh this is during 2020 we you know nothing was open except in idaho and me being from idaho i was like well you guys come up here and let's ride the idaho bdr there'll be no problems with you know any drama around you know going from one end of the state to the other no one's gonna say anything to you even though in some other states there was all kinds of issues, right? You couldn't Old even lock down, right? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't even go to the gas station without getting yelled at. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, they, they all come up. They, I can't remember how many people we had in our group. What was it? Two, three, four, six people, I think. Six, seven, 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 seven. And, uh, we, to ride, to ride the Idaho BDR and day one, maybe what, 40 minutes into it. Yeah. Nico's, we had Nico's bike is 990. What we just got done talking about is right. 990. The fuel he, and he had ridden it from Seattle 
all the way down to Jarbage the day before, like straight through, no problems whatsoever, hauled ass and made it in and then like an amazing time frame. Gets yeah. there, bunks up. Next morning we roll out and like just get out of the canyon at Jarbridge where it flattens out to where there's nothing out just there. Pasture, no shade. Yeah. Nothing. And uh his fuel pump goes out. So we tinker with that for like an hour trying to trying to diagnose it, you know, making trying to see if maybe it wasn't hoping that it wasn't the fuel pump, because we know that if it's a fuel pump, it's a common issue with those and you, they're hard to get. Yeah. You have to special yeah. usually special order them. So we pulled Long story short, <laughs> oh, dude, we pulled like the tank apart. Try to, yeah. Anyway, yeah. We, just, we were hoping it was like a clogged fuel filter or something we could bypass. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So we ended up yeah. you, you and so, Nico, you upped it. We towed his bike and stored <laughs> it in a farmer or a rancher's barn. And, I was so happy. I was so happy that I got to tow a KTM with my BMW. <laughs> with your BMW. And, and then force him to ride on the back <laughs> with no seat, right? Because you didn't even but, have the seat on there. He had to sit on top. Yeah, of your yeah. Shit. Just had the plate. He had to sit on top of the plate. And <laughs> yeah. So we so we store that stuff and um, end up having a, the the rest of the group kept going on the route. And me, you, and Nico went to was it at Twin Falls, Idaho Twin Falls. I think it was um, yeah. yeah the KTM dealership there in Twin Falls. Is it Twin Falls or Idaho Falls? One of the falls. Yeah. It's, anyway. It, it might, yeah. So, so we, I'll leave it. I'll leave it right okay. here. Cause the dude, because the, let's be honest, the, the, the dealer owner, uh, was phenomenal. He stayed open late. Oh yeah. He, he did, he did sell Nico a brand new 2018. Well, well hang on before that <laughs> it was, it was okay. They're trying to track down a fuel pump and everything. It's like, okay, the nearest fuel pump, you know, that they can get for a 990, it's going to be like two weeks. And Nico's like, Oh, freaking you know things ruined and there is well, okay there, so, there, there was the africa twins that were they, oh, yeah. they were really he's trying like, to sell I'm not buying that yeah he's not buying africa and then there's a 1290 sitting right there and we go i think i said to him i said you ain't got a man in your family if you don't buy that sucker right now <laughs> yeah he so nico nico's full-time air force and he had he only has a certain amount of leave right so he had taken leave to do this ride and he's thinking like i just wasted all this leave to for a one-day pavement ride down to jarbage nevada and now i'm gonna be stuck and we're like no dude again you don't have a hair on your ass unless you buy right. that and, he's, and it's it, it's saturday it's almost closing time no banks are open so yep being the financially responsible person that Nico is, he put a 1290 on a credit card. <laughs> he and loaded up two credit cards, two credit cards. half payment on one, half payment on the other. Yeah. And, and dude, we, you take off and me and him are waiting around. We, we, the, the yeah, owner. Well, so, so the owner gave us his truck so we can go far, back the, and get yeah, his, the truck, the shop truck. Yeah. yeah so we, yeah. we go so, back, so we, we pick, pick up, up his truck. We pick up his truck. Or, I mean, his bike, and we bring it back, and we get We're everything. Still doing he, the financing on up, it. Yeah, he ends up buying giant loop gear and all this stuff because mm -hmm. he had hard panniers on his on his uh, nine ninety that obviously weren't going to work, and they didn't have any other luggage. So he like bought the the horseshoe the, bag, the horseshoe, the horseshoe bag, yeah, from like Giant Loop, and loaded it up as good as he could. And we take off out of there. I'm running the GoPro, and I mean, he doesn't have a hundred yards on this bike yet and he comes bombing by me full wheelie and he's like this thing you is can pull awesome. fourth fifth gear wheelies on that sucker well with <laughs> 160 plus horsepower you know 
Yeah. And dude, he he rode the shit out of that bike. The I mean, brand new bike, oh. no protection. The rest yeah, of no the skid plate, the little pipe hand you know, of a skid plate. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Went up, went up, burnt knob. The dude never even stood up on the bike, sitting down on that bike, rode all the way. That's right. He sat the whole time. (laughs) He was just, yeah, just like ripping it like a dirt bike. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And we're just like, dude, you don't want to stand up on the thing. He's like, no, it's comfortable. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down and ride this thing. And dude, it was just, it was just so funny to see how Nico's a phenomenal rider. He can ride really well, yeah. but then for him to jump on a brand new 1290 that probably weighed a hundred pounds more than his 990 did and just ride it like he did was an experience to watch for sure. So we ended up completing the Idaho BDR with it. He ends up uh, going back down, picking up that bike after they fixed it for him and he ended up selling the 990, but um, he actually has that 1290 currently and he actually has it for sale and it's got like 5,200 miles on it because he rode he rode the because BDR. He just rode the BDR and that was it. <laughs> and a couple other little short rides. And he's he wants to get something different now. And he's he's actually deployed right now. But he's like, if you know anybody who wants a who wants a 2018 1290 with like very low miles, let me know. So if you're out there and you're listening to this, hey, uh, I'm gonna yeah. have to hit hit up hit up my buddy Matt. Um, yeah, because uh, yeah, my buddy uh, Z1K Wonder Matt. Um, and yeah, because we, we we egg him on because he got to ride a a, a 1290. One time, um, we were doing some riding outside of uh, Reno, and he was trying out different bikes. And you know, he's he's coming off a giant tiger, and he gets on this twelve ninety, and he is like a giddy schoolgirl in comms. <laughs> wow! And he's like, this is we're fourth gear, fifth gear wheelie, and he's just ripping wheelies. Like, just stands right up, right up. And we're like, dude, that's that is your bike. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not the it's not the new version with the low tank on it, but still, I mean, it's it'd be a killer deal. I feel like if you're looking for a, a little bit older. 2018 1290 but so that was that was bdr number one that we did together yeah fast fast forward a couple of <laughs> well, years well uh, do, do we want to do we want to continue on on the uh the the, the costs of oh, that bdr <laughs> that's right almost forgot like that the best part about that bdr that was yeah that was a fun thing but yeah so we we get to yellow pine and if you're familiar with the idaho bdr yellow pine's a typical gas stop um we, we go to get fuel and everything's shut down. And we're like, what the heck? There's a store here. There's fuel. And then this guy comes walking up. And he, oh, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to get some fuel. And we're kind of small talking around as this thing is going down. And somehow it comes up that the place was for sale. And again, yeah. Josh, the, you should the buy the this store place. Was for, well, the store was for sale. The building next door was for sale. And I think the bar down the road was for sale. And we're just like, oh, man, you know, hey. I'll buy this one. You buy the Nico, you buy that one. And you know, Kyle, you buy that one. We can own this whole town. <laughs> like that'd be pretty sweet. Like a we'll just make it like a backcountry town. We'll just turn it. I mean, it is a backcountry town, but we'll turn it into like a ADV moto mecca. Yeah. And Josh followed through. And I was no one the only did. idiot who bought it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I, th- so, I thought we were serious, guys. <laughs> yeah. So Josh is the current owner of the Yellow Pine store in, in Yellow Pine. Um, and you've owned that for what, two years now? Three years. Yeah. Three this years. Will be, yeah. This will be the fourth year now. Wow. Man, time flies. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, no, it's been, I mean, it was, it's been great. I mean, the place had been closed down for years. And uh, for, for even us to get gas at the time, they had to go call the guy who was the the owner of the building at the time, and they and he came down in his side by side or whatever, and 
and filled us up with some gas and kind of partially opened up, but they, they had had it shut down for a few years. And um, yeah, and I just ended up doing a bunch of research and, you know, this was like, obviously like post COVID and all that stuff. And I was trying to, you know, had kind of like lost a lot of my, my work and things that, that I was doing uh, during that time. And I was like, I need something else, you know, to, to do another project. And then, um, it was a big this, change to you because you were living in Vegas at the time, right? Yeah. 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 So that's a big change to go from yeah. the so hustle Vegas, and bustle. I'm uh, uh, sorry, Reno. Uh, we were living oh, in, yeah. Yeah. Cause we had gone from, I'd gone from, uh, California on, and we still had the trailer and gone up to Reno. Um, and then, uh, Fallon Fernley area. And yeah. then, and then we got from there up to, uh, up to Idaho. And yeah, that was, um, you know, got the place up and running, um, a lot of logistical issues. Cause it is, it is back country. I mean, you know, back in the day they used to fly everything in. we still have the aviation company that brings in their supplies, but they truck stuff in, but it's, a good hour and a half two hours to the nearest town on a good day yeah um, cascade and is where so, we get a lot of our so just to from. just to catch the listeners and viewers up so josh is currently living in austin texas but does still also currently own the store in yellow pine so yeah. it's obviously seasonal for the most part right i mean in the winter time you could be open but it's almost a waste to do so because the only way in and out is through either yeah. snowmobile or airplane right right Right. Uh, yeah, there, there is a road, there's a four season maintained road that, that we plow the locals, you know, um, essentially plow. And, you know, it's, it can take that, that two normal hour and a half, two hours um, in the wintertime, it could take about six hours to yeah. get there. You got to chain up and it's, uh, you know, just a treacherous little tiny mountain road. Um, and, uh, you know, follows beautiful rivers and everything like that. But I mean, it is a, a remote backcountry little uh, it used to be, I guess, a town set up from, from mining, uh, from the mine back there. So, um, yeah. anyways, they're supposed to be reactivating the mine, and and of course, all the people moving out there to you know, Cascade, McCall, and and just the areas blowing up, and a lot more people are being pushed back and back into the backcountry there. So, I had an opportunity to get the store back open, um, you know, get it supplied and stocked, and you know, maintain fuel and food, and then it just, I mean. I was shocked how many people actually came. I don't know if it was a result of getting that place back open or if it was just kind of already on the rise, but yeah, I mean, it'd be like 30, 40, 50 people a day. Sometimes just BDR people like right. guys show up in, in packs, you know, 10, 15 of them at a time on dirt bikes, adventure bikes, but then the side-by-sides and the, and the quads, there's like quad groups, you know, that, that do it. There's a uh, Honda trail, 90 oh, yeah. and everything yeah. I did that do all that stuff. And then, and the side-by-sides, like I'd have days where there's 30 side-by-sides down the road and just freaking just pumping gas and they you know they're well yeah and that's the thing too it's like the, the quickest way to mccall it's it's a minimum of like what 60 miles or so mm-hmm. in the yeah. summertime and then you know any other the closest town in either direction you go is i think the closest would be mccall at 60 miles and then how far is cascade yeah. Yeah, it's about 60 to 68 or 70 miles. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, if, if you don't have a lot of range fuel-wise, like you need to get there and get fuel or you're not going to leave. <laughs> so. Right, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I have a lot of folks come through and they're like, oh my God, it's like at, at, the, at the time I got it opened up, it was seven bucks a gallon. 
and then then I had to bump it to nine a gallon. Yeah. Um, and then like that's insane. I'm just like, well, if you go about two hours that way, you know, it's it's six bucks a gallon. Or if you go about four hours this way over Elk Summit, which is the, right. the path, um, it's twelve dollars a gallon over there. So you know, yeah. It, and, you know, and, and it's expensive <laughs> because it's not like you're, you're getting it trucked in easily, like, you know, like a Maverick or a Chevron or whatever, like they literally have to come out and, and fill it. And it's the cost of getting it delivered is, is so expensive because it's so far off the beaten yeah. path. Right. Yeah. Or you can go, we have to get, it. to get, to get a big truck uh, to come deliver. We have to get essentially the community as a whole to order fuel so they could justify the amount of fuel to, to send a big truck. Otherwise I'm loading up 55 gallon drums in the back of my truck, four of them. I can legally do about four, you know, without getting a hazmat chip and thing. And then anytime I come in and out, I top them up, fill them up in town, truck them yeah. back in to unload them into my tanks. And yeah, like that's, it's, yeah, it's a so lot of logistics. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, be, be grateful, I guess, if you're, on the BDR and you need fuel and you get it for $12 a gallon. Cause it's better than trying to tow your bike out somewhere. So. Right. Um, but, which, and then we've also, had to do a lot of recovery. I mean, yeah. part of the, part of the search and rescue back there. And we've had to, you know, been get gotten called on, you know, get people who hurt themselves, broken themselves, their bike or gone off the edge and um, any number of things and, and side by sides too, of course. You know. Right. And then the, the store also has, you have three hotel rooms, right? Or two. Two, yeah, two hotel two rooms hotel. and a couple other cabins that uh, that some of the locals let me like Airbnb. Yeah, but them. there at the store, you've got the two hotel rooms. Uh, if somebody needs a shower, they could pay for a shower, and then you also have all kind of like the essentials that you need at the store. So, I mean, you carry like Mountain House meals, and canned goods, and snacks, you know, alcohol, Beer, whatever, alcohol, yeah, whatever, uh, whatever you I need. Got, you, I got it set up as uh, so I got the uh, state liquor contract. Um, so I'm a, I'm, it's a the state liquor store yeah as well so we can have all that and um yeah just, just some of the basics you know that that people need as they come through and snacks and chips and you know the the usual gas station grocery store kind of stuff very know? cool and then yeah so we we skipped over a little bit as far as uh you being an instructor at rawhide but just um so everybody knows josh for a few years has uh has been a bmw is a certified bmw instructor is that right or what so, yeah it was um i was i was at rawhide for about seven years um and uh yeah we were the the bmw off-road academy for you know for the right. west coast so there's the training performance center on the east coast in um in South Carolina, and then Rawhide was the BMW Academy out out there in California. Yep. So I'm I'm and guessing that you learned a lot there, be, becoming an instructor, as well as not only doing the the classes, but you also did a lot of the Rawhide tours, right? So the Baja yeah. tours, the Continental Divide tours, those type of tours, right? I mean, so you yep. had to take yep. out B of those BDF, all the BDRs um, that that we'd offer there. I mean, yeah, all every aspect, and then. I got to so when initially when I got offered the I got offered the job um, because they were looking for an instructors I was I was actually a firearms instructor um, I worked for right. Adapt yeah. Academy at the time and I had the instructing bit of it but the writing part I was like you know hey like I'm not really that great of of an off road writer and they're just they're just like you know you've you've got you know we all like you you've got the personality you know how to teach you know how to instruct skills we can teach you the writing part. 
you know, that's, that's literally what we do, right, is, is, is teach that. So I ended up, you know, just learning and I went to a bunch of other schools, um, a bunch of, uh, you know, Jimmy Lewis school, um, you know, Dragu and, and um, you know, learn, learn from all these other guys that, that have, um, you know, that, that now have their own training schools as well. And, and then got into, you know, got into racing, got into the competitive side of things. And, and that just really springboarded, you know, I was like, well, shoot, if I'm gonna do this, I'm just like, go all in and, you know, research as much as I can and, and learn as much as I can. And so I ended up getting to the levels where I was doing the next level trainings, the advanced trainings, um, and did, did every aspect and, you know, got to be, um, you know, elite, elite coach there. And, very cool. And also it was, you know, just a really great experience and yeah, obviously very BMW focused, but we, you know, we had to learn everything. Um, you know, I'd like, I made it a point to go anytime a new model came out, like I go out and test it and get on the demo rides and everything and learn anything I can because we get everybody coming through that school, right. you know, doing 30 people every other week. And then the, 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 the events and all that kind of stuff like that. I mean, it is easily I'm coaching, you know, 400, 500 plus people in a year and all walks of life, all, you know, skill levels, guys who've been, you know, professional to people who had barely even had, hadn't even done MSF. Um, right. You know, and um, so that was just really cool to get that experience, you know, with, with all these different types of folks, types of bikes. And then, um, you know, we had to, we had to innovate a lot of things because, you know, the technology, when they started introducing TFT, um, oh, yeah. TFT screens and ride modes and, and all this stuff, because initially the BMW training thing was like take off all, you know, it's take off all rider aids, take off the ABS traction control if you had it. Um, but then, you know, we had to start evolving because all the electronics started, you know, getting, you know, just more and more on bikes. They, got, they started uh, to get so good that they were actually good tools instead of being a hindrance in some cases off-road. Yeah, yeah. And and we were able to learn and adapt, you know, the trainings to be like, hey, in this scenario, if you're having this hard time, pop it into rain mode or, you know, or take track. You know, yeah, definitely take traction control off, right? But um uh, so, so, you know, we started having to incorporate that into the instruction with the different bikes. Yeah. And then, then Honda comes out with the DCT, you know, oh, it's yeah. like, how do you teach friction zone to somebody on a bike that doesn't have a friction, it doesn't zone? have a clutch. <laughs> yeah. Have, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, and we came up with really creative ways of using, using the brakes, uh, because they has a, fr a left front brake or sorry, yeah. a, a relocation of a, a brake. On, on the on the left handlebar and we're just like oh hey you can use that as a drag and yeah and put you know and drag and slow the bike down and then put and put throttle up against it and then now you can do these sub you know sub speed maneuvers and everything and imitate sort of that essentially feathering the clutch yeah yeah yeah, yeah crazy exactly but but yeah, you know so there's just things that you know like we had to figure out and learn you know as we got different people and how do you trick uh, like the Tenere's, the Yamaha's um, before the T7s? Like you had to, we found out you can put it up on a center stand and trick and fault the traction control and the ABS. And then while you're running it, it faults, it, it gives up and goes away, but you can't turn <laughs> the bike off. So it's just like, okay, that's how we can turn that off. Cause at the time they didn't have the ability to actually disable that stuff. So I don't know, we're just, you know, it was it wasn't learn as you go yeah exactly 
cool. So, um, so that 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 brings us to to kind of present day. So, uh, oh well, let's let's touch on real quick. So the Yellow Pine store. Back to that. Um, are you planning on staying with that, or what's your what's kind of your plan with the Yellow Pine store since you're down in Austin now? Yeah, um, I've got it pretty turnkey at this point. I mean, it's just got the, all the processes and everything dialed in. Um, I'm just I'm needing to I'm needing to move along at this point, yeah. and you know, uh, it's like. The winter time thing, you know, I, that was that was kind of a, a a thing I had to decide on what I was going to do this winter was if I was going to stick it out another winter there because there's a potential to open it up for for that snowmobiling traffic and everything, but mm -hmm. I just don't have enough lodging to accommodate, um, you know, these snowmobile groups that come out there and you know the 15 people show up and it's like yeah. we're already housing when our population drops from 55 in the summer to 15 to 18 that stay in the winter time. And everybody winterizes and shuts stuff down. And then it's like, yeah, I can't, you know, I just can't do it all by myself. Yeah. And if you somebody know, was, and, if somebody was interested in, in, in purchasing that place, they, there, there's room there to build the lodging and everything, right? Or there's even buildings, structures there that could be converted. It's just, I yeah. get it as, as being kind of a, a single entrepreneur there, it's, it's hard to do all that, <laughs> your, to do all that yourself, you know? So, yeah. And I, I am like the second youngest resident in town and yeah. then there's a big gap. <laughs> yeah. All that, but. So if anybody's listening and they're interested in the yellow pine store, I mean, it does, it is a moneymaker for sure. It's just, it, yeah. it comes with, it comes with its challenges and, but it's also um, a really cool backcountry just a uh, des destination. So yeah. there's some potential yeah. there and for it's, sure. It's, go it's gorgeous back there. I mean, it's just one of the most beautiful pieces of country that you can live in. Yeah, I mean, if you've been yeah. there, it, it's 360 degrees of of mountaintop, right at right yeah. out of downtown. Yep, yep. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, one of the beautiful rivers, you know, salmon fishing and and all that kind of stuff there. Just, I mean, it, the fly fishing is, you know, just People it's not even fishing. Over. Just just standing out there and looking it's at catching. it. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, breathtaking. So, yeah. but yeah, it's it is it's a business that is a little bit more ideal for like like a husband wife team you know, that are maybe, maybe, maybe retired or something like that, or maybe they want to look into something else. Um, yeah. It's just, it's more suited for, for, for that instead of a single guy by himself running a store, right. <laughs> the whole <Yeah>. operation, <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. The yeah. half the town really mayor firefighter. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Part of the fire uh, volunteer, the firefighter fighter had to yeah. learn how to drive all the, all the trucks and the pumps and you know, everything like that, the search and rescue, doing the search and rescue. And then, you know, and then when I, helping it, little I, ladies across the road. <laughs> when I talk to you, I mean, when I talk about you to other people and explain kind of who you are, I'm like, he's literally the Dos Equis guy. He's like the most interesting man. <laughs> he's done a little bit of absolutely everything. So that's, I mean, that's just one of the reasons why I think it's just awesome that you, you have so much life experience at, you know, your age to be able to say you've done all these things and it's, it's no joke. I mean, you actually have done all these things. So, which brings yeah. us to the next chapter of your life right now. They're at, uh, <laughs> they're in Austin. So what, what drove you to, uh, to go set up in Austin? So I was, uh, it, it was actually kind of a, kind of an accident. Um, I was, actually looking to to get, get some other work for you know for the uh, for the winter time i got i got my crane operator license i was talking to some folks about you know like they're just like hey you can go to, up to alaska and you know 
do do this this whole thing and i i actually went through and got my all my certifications and i was like sure why not i'll tr- i'll try that that's something i haven't done yet right. um <laughs> and uh you know make a good chunk of money and everything so uh i was moving some stuff for for my my family um out of a storage unit out west and my sister and her husband happened to uh, say that they're 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 moving to Texas, back to Texas. Her husband's from here and everything. And it was the same day I was driving cross country. They were driving this way and they were moving to Austin. And I was like, you know, I know some people in Austin. I had a couple buddies that that had started this training place out there and everything. I was like, let me just stop in and say hello and everything. And then I I come I come through. And it turns out one of the, one of the one of the friends um, that that I knew, you know, he ended up parting ways and um, and moving on to something else. And he was he was supposedly the head the head trainer, the head instructor there. And um, I got to talking, you know, just got to talk with him. And then you know, Rawson had asked me like, like, "What are you doing right now?" I'm just like, well, just doing this. And he and He's like, well, like on your way back, I was going down to Miami and everything. I was like, on your way back, like stop back through and and I'll, and, and we'll we'll chat some more, and everything. So I went and did that and everything. Came and when I came back, he had he had an offer letter for me, um, and he and, wanted and for to. What, what place is that then? Um, he had an offer for Austin Moto Adventures. Yeah, which is um, which is essentially it's kind of what you had already had experience with, right? It was a motorcycle and adventure motorcycle instructor. Adventure motors, and I was thinking, I was thinking, I was just, you know, he wanted me to come in as, you know, as taking that lead instructor position, and um, he actually wanted me as his VP of operations. And yeah, I'm sure that you called me and you're like, dude, I did not expect (laughs) this. Yeah, very surprised. I didn't, and he was, you know, he told me he was like, you know, I did a lot of vetting on you and a lot of checking, and I talked to a lot of people because I've been needing, you know essentially the you know this 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 right hand person to really help me get this thing going and your name came up a lot and a lot of people like you know a, lo- a lot of it was just really he told me you know who and everything and a lot of people just said you know awesome things and stuff like that and he's just like you know the choice was pretty clear um he's like so i want you to come on i want you to come on board and um i was like <laughs> it was kind of like well, well, yeah, let me think about it, which already had my mind made up. Like, <laughs> right. let me think about yeah. it. Okay. In about five minutes, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're but, right. But, um, but it's yeah, kind of the real I, house, man. Like the, the, instru- you're a natural instructor. I feel like you do very well at that. Um, your passion is motorcycle and off-road motorcycle. So it's kind of a no brainer to move on to that. And, uh, not only that, but the, the property there from what I understand, I haven't been out there yet, yet is the, is the, the, is the word for that. Cause I'm going to make it out there for sure. But, um, the property is pretty amazing. Let's talk about that a little bit. Like the, the yeah. things that Austin Moto Ventures offers that sets other training installations apart. Yeah. So it is, you know, our big thing is really going after this. I mean, there, there's all kinds of training schools out there. There's all kinds of things, but we really want to set this up as a, a world-class truly world-class premier experience and there aren't many places like that you know there aren't many places up there that give that kind of experience and and the the riding and the property it's we have 1400 acres to of 
playground and the topography i think we have like a, we have about like just a little over 2000 foot of elevation gain on the property which for texas is a lot yeah yeah because i'd never thought of texas as having terrain you know it's just right yeah cow land yeah. or something right well you go to this property and i went and went we were we actually rode horses we have horse stables there and we got on the horses and and rode around and it was just like what it, it looks like utah it looks right. like you're you know, I mean, parts of it look like Lockhart Basin, parts of it look like, you know, uh, outside of Park, Park City and everything. I'm just crazy. You know, yeah, it has so much different types of terrain, woods riding, washes, um, creeks, water crossings and, you know, rock features um, and everything. So we have and then the, and the cabins, you know, the, um, we're, we're slated to have 30 cabins. We have 15 of them right now. Um, and everything and everybody every customer who comes in you know they get you get your own private cabin has your own private bathroom and shower and you know they're really nice and they're all we're getting them sponsored by by the different folks and you know in the industry um you know currently at, you know we had like revzilla sponsored one black dog butler maps medjet uh moscomoto um uh outback motor tech like i mean just everybody's really excited cool. and you know just yeah. a lot of the a lot of the connections, you know, just built over the last nine years of, of doing yeah. this adventure, you know, this ad adventure training and instructing. And, and um, you know, so, yeah, we have, you know, just a lot of people are excited about it. And and we're so centrally located to some big metropolises, you know, I mean, you know, Austin aside, within three hour radius of us, it's Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, San Antonio. Austin. I mean, just, you know, the biggest yeah. cities here in Texas. It's about and, the and, center of the state, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah. no matter what airport you fly into, it's it's not a very far drive. I mean, obviously, Austin would be the closest. But I mean, if you flew into Dallas, just straight down I-35. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's super easy to get to. And it's um, it's it's not so remote to, you know, to where you can't get to resources and things like that. But then everything can be done on the on that property. And, yeah, and, and it's it's got, right outside of Burnett, Texas, which is just north yeah. of Austin. I mean, we're talking at what is it, a forty minute drive to the airport from Austin? Yeah, like forty five, fifty minute, you know. But yeah. we we, we call it an hour. We you know, we call it an hour yeah. with the traffic. Yeah, with traffic. Right. Yeah. So it's but, I mean um, like you and said, it overlooks Buchanan Lake. Oh yeah, Lake Buchanan. Yeah. Lake. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So um, but the other cool thing, the, the other cool thing about this property is it's not just the not just the adventure riding and everything like that too, but we we're a training center for um, for DPS for for military Navy SEALs um, special operations special warfare drone uh, drone projects. We've got uh, I want to say like fifteen or twenty different um, shooting uh, shooting ranges, gun bays. We have a mile long shooting range. A thousand, you know, thousand yard ranges, mile long ranges. We've got three, uh, host three gun tournaments there. Um, so, um, yeah, the three gun tournaments, Tough Mudder and Spartan Races oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, are hosted there. And then uh, we have about 70 miles of, um, of mountain bike MTB trails as well, as well as cool. a, the largest jump. And I think it's, I think in the state of Texas, it's the largest mountain bike jump in the state of Texas. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. I heard, I heard all the other ones, but I didn't hear that one. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And they got, you know, the, all the, you know, all the banks and turns and, you know, the, the wood slats and ladders and all that stuff. It's right. just, um, yeah, it's, it's a blast. Um, so 
you know, that and the horse stables and, you know, and I mean, there's Blackhawks turning around. We have a RPG range. Um, That's great. Right? <laughs> yeah. But it does, they joke RPGs and underwater detonation devices and, um, uh, and, and drone and drones and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. So what are your, tra- what are your typical trainings look like? Uh, cause you, you, so how long has Austin Moto Ventures been, been doing training first of all? Uh, it's just barely been a year. Um, okay. not, not even a year. I think last June, um, was when gotcha. we kind of opened up. And so it's, um, it's been to, to date, uh, 11 classes. Oh, cool. And, and, and in that time, you guys have made some pretty awesome relationships. I mean, you said about all the sponsors for the cabins, but, um, and, and I don't know, and maybe this isn't something I can even talk about, which we can edit it out if it's not, but, um, <laughs> uh the the new relationship with harley davidson that's that's something that's um official and is that out in public now so so we are we are the only facility in the world that is actually supported by harley davidson um we have our bikes uh you know that were provided by harley and um and yeah the the only one offering them as um as as training bikes you know in our in our training fleet um so 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 i mean that's been no, that's been uh, it's it's been a huge thing. I mean, for for myself, you know, coming from BMW and and you know Harley is what actually got me into motorcycles. Um, you yeah. know, the, that brand was was what started it all for me. And you know, there just was never a bike for me to ride when I got into this you know this adventure thing. And then um, I was actually part of the uh, the initial phase of of development uh, folks that were coming through from Harley corporate that were coming through training learning how to ride off road. And we knew that it was coming out. Um, and I actually was a, a trainer and the instructor for the Bosch engineers who designed the traction control um, and the electronics and stuff in the system. And we modeled it actually a lot off of, um, you know, train them on G on the GS and other bikes and put, put the bikes in situations where we were testing the parameters, which was kind of, it was a cool training um, yeah. because we were testing the parameters of like, all right, go through this thing and freaking full lockup or full throttle or bank and turn. And, you know, then they were recording all the lean angle sensing and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it was kind of neat to be a part of that. And, you know, we saw a lot of the, we got to touch a lot of the, uh, the, the pre-production bikes and everything. So that was, you know, really exciting. But um, the fact that they were willing to um, essentially support this, uh, you know, the, Austin Moto Adventures um, is, is yeah, a huge this, step. I mean, it's yeah, relatively new, first. right? And then, and yeah. and now it seems like it sounds like you guys are trying to work it out to where, um, if in the area in Austin or anywhere in that in that area, if you go and you buy a Pan America, then they can yeah. get a training kind of wrapped into the deal, right? So they can buy this yeah. adventure bike, and then they'll have training on this new bike that they just bought, or one of the rental bikes or whatever they're at at, at um, Austin Moto Adventures, but. I think that's awesome because it seems like there's a lot of people that are starting to, to, to kind of get on the Pan America train. Mm-hmm. And fr- from yeah. what I've seen, that's dude, that the, the Pan America, you know, you know, I mean, the, there's people that are naysayers of the Pan America, but I feel like it's people who haven't really spent, it's just people who are, that are talking about it without having any experience with it. And once you ride it, it's a pretty impressive motorcycle for, yeah for Harley's, you know, first gen one of an adventure bike. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
they did an awesome job for their first one coming out. Of course, like any bike is going to have its quirks. Right. And, you know, we had, and we have our, the majority of the bikes that we do have are BMWs. You know, we have BMW 1250s. We've got KTM 1290, 1290, um, 890s. And, you know, we've got a, a bunch of other bikes. Um, you know, we just only have five Pan Americas, uh, you know, to start right now. Yeah. And it's, um, that yeah it's like anything else it's gonna have its quirks and i always say this too because i remember when bmw switched to the liquid cooled motors the 1200s oh, yeah man it was five six years of all kinds of crap you know separating stanchion tubes um you know the strut the esa failures the um the the shift the shift assist when they announced that you know they introduced that and freaking practically wheeling you know and everything <laughs> and then then you know introducing the tft and they they were the first ones to put in the tft display and that that causing all kinds of codes and buggy issues and stuff like that and um yeah i mean i can go I can every, go on every and manufacturer on. every manufacturer has to work through whatever it is they have to work through to refine something and you're not going to release right. first year model or first few years and have it be perfect because that's it's impossible to see what people are going to put these things through but um yeah. again i mean after doing the arizona bdr um which we didn't really talk about, but yeah, you were on the Arizona BDR with, uh, with us and Chad, who was on the last, um, one of the last yeah. podcasts, another yeah. shit show. Oh, boy, a, Chad. Oh man. Ride. But I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you and you and Justin, um, were on Pan Americas and I mean, you guys had no issues except for well, a few, a few, a, a few little things that, you know, you guys had to kind of work out. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. Well, was, the, the, the biggest issues we had were, um, because uh, Justin put a bunch of brand new aftermarket stuff on his, yeah, and he yeah. didn't he didn't Loctite a thing, which right. like it's I did Harley's that on, on yeah, yeah I did that on the GS I went through and Loctited everything because you know because I just naturally do that when I get a new bike, <laughs> right? But right. Uh, so he, he had he had things bits and pieces falling off and everything and um and I, I had a fuel pump issue but you know like it was just loud really that's all it was it was starting to go go loud and everything but I mean for the most part. I mean, they perform great, you know, loaded up with luggage and gear. We got through everything and the, the gnarliest of the gnar, you know, that any other bike, you know, would get, would get through. And yeah. I mean, what for, for every day or like normal, you're not going out doing hard enduro, right? For every day, normal adventure riding, it's, 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 it is, it's made for what it's intended to do. It does well at what yeah. it's intended to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's, um, the, the other cool thing it's so in comparison you know because a lot of my you know a lot of my adventure life was always on bmw in comparison yeah it's it's not as smooth and refined as the bmw naturally because the bmw has had years and years and years right, right of that refinement but it's so fun to ride <laughs> it's like i mean you know the, the bmw is kind of like it's kind of like okay yeah it's like you know like like the old lady you know just consistent yeah. and there and it's like it does, does this thing and stuff and like that but the the harley i get on that sucker and you put that thing in sport mode and, yeah. and unleash the 150 horsepowers and it's just rowdy and it's like mm, you know it's like it's yeah like, yeah this is just wh whipping and ripping and stuff like that and it's just and it's it's flickable and honestly, I think it is better than, than the, uh, than the other bike on in the, in the gnarly off-road and the technical stuff. Um, it does awesome. the front end with its tradition, uh, with its conventional suspension. I mean, to me, the front end doesn't feel like it wants to tuck and everything. And you probably, you know, have yeah. started to experience some of that, you know, 
And yeah, it's, 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 there's a learning there's a learning curve going from traditional forks to the the tail lever. The tail lever is awesome. I do really like the tail lever, but in the really technical stuff, it it seems like it's there's a little bit of a delay. Whereas the forks, the traditional forks, you know what it's going to do because just because you're used to it. So it does take there is a there is a learning curve. But yeah. um, yeah. So and what, is, what the beauty the of it is is that at um at at Austin Moto you get to you get to try them both. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'd say that's like another, that's another advantage that we do. We, we offer three days of training. Uh, we have Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that was we, my next we, question. We what the typical training weekend looks like. Yeah. Yeah. We have folks, uh, will come in about noon on a, on Friday and we'll have, we'll have lunch. We have a, we have this awesome pizza oven, like a, like a wood fired pizza oven and everything. And we'll have, uh, we'll do flatbreads, build your own flatbreads and stuff like that. And then, nice. uh, then we'll go out and, and do an afternoon training session just to kind of help us evaluate people, but also get them, you know, more comfortable with the bike. If they've never, you know, they, they don't know how to do the modes or, you know, had never been on a bike like that before. And we, it gives us a chance to sort of, you know, check people out, but also let them, you know, get a little bit of skills before we get into the heavy meat of the, of the training. And yeah. so we'll have the, the heavy part of it um, on Saturdays and Sundays. And we, we've structured it to where we do a lot of the, sk the skills and we strip you down to the basics, you know, just clutch, brakes, front brakes, rear brakes, throttle, body position, and just, just throw out everything you've, you think, you know, you've learned and right. just learn this, learn this process from the get go and get familiar with like where that little friction zone point is, get familiar with the body position. We physically will move your toes and your feet and your knees and you know get you on the center stand and and work with you know all those body mechanics um and then we get into the the different skills and obstacles you know with starting you know starting and stopping on hills how to how to take hills how to go up hills down hills how to um you know how to do getting into turning how to initiate turns how to you know um, do do tighter turns and 180s and circles and pretty much every you know scenario and then um and a lot of that stuff will be like cone work and a little more flatter surface type work on Saturday. But then Sunday, which is the cool thing we have with this property is Sunday, we have a lot of those scenarios, but with real world trail. Gotcha. Um, so like the 180s course and everything, now we're going to go do a 180s course that's got rocks and sand and, you know, undulations and camber. It's not perfectly, perfectly smooth off camber. It's like off camber, how it would actually be in the real world. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and then we, we, we step them up from there and we've got a really awesome, um, sand, I mean, our, our sand, our sand run is pretty awesome and pretty long. Um, mm. so you get to get the feeling, you know, cause a lot of times at other places I've, I've instructed at, it's like sand, you can just cheat it, nail it and you're through it and like coast across it. Yeah. 20 or 30 yards. You don't, you yeah. don't get the feeling yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like, no, no, no. It's a, this one, you actually get to feel going, you know, side to side. It's like, oh shoot, I'm going this way. I have room to correct and come back and get a long run, you know, nice. at it. And, and a lot of people are, are stoked about that. And of course, you know, here in Texas, there isn't really any kind of sand like that, like powder, that powdery sand, that's yeah. kind of stuff we're used to out in out in Nevada and California and stuff like that. So, so it's, um, it's an opportunity to, get the, get used to that and then you know gravel and then um then that's essentially like our our levels one two 
And then we've got levels three, four, and five. Um, so those step them up into next level type writing. But when we start getting into our levels four and five trainings, they're more, uh, more experiences, actually. It's more of a, of a real world experience or a real world expedition that we consolidate gotcha. and put you through and you have to accomplish tasks and you have to get to, you know, get to certain points and then you're going to do, you're, you're going to do a tire change or, Oh, you had a medical situation, you know, um, you, you're going to have to put in some of the field craft skills and gotcha. you know, we, we some throw, of those like we mock those scenarios that are, yeah, mock scenarios that are controlled in like a controlled environment. That way, when it is a real environment, you have that experience, at least that in the back of your mind that you've done this before and it's not just brand new. It's that's great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, so and, in, you know, in that, in that, um, sorry, in, in that stepping up from, from level one to level four and five, uh, are there prerequisites or if somebody says, Oh, I'm, I'm already an expert. Can I jump into four and five or do you need to go through the entire course first before you can go to these other trainings um, or you can graduate no. these other trainings? Yeah. I mean, we've had a few people, uh, sorry, we've had a few people that, um, that have gone through other courses that, you know, that we know of and everything. And they've gotcha. gone through that. And that's very, that's verified. Um, if, if somebody is pretty, you know, pretty adamant that, you know, that we can't verify that it's like, okay, well, we can verify this in about 15 we'll find out minutes. the hard way here. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And we've, we've had a, a, quite a few people have some humble pie. Um, yeah, <laughs> we've, yeah. Yeah, we've had guys that, that have ridden for 40, 50 years and, you know, kind of, they they had said uh, there's actually an interview posted. Uh, they had said you know it's like I've been writing for forty you know forty fifty years and you know looked at this and thought what am I really going to learn and then he said uh, he said in about four or five minutes I realized I did not know what I was <laughs> what I, well, what I was I doing. That's so. the thing is that um, you know when you're self taught you you develop habits rather good or bad right and you think I, I I've been writing for this many years and I can do this. But when you go and you break it down to the, the fa like, like you're building a house, right? You have the foundation. And as long as the, you have a strong foundation, then you can build on the skills from there. And the, like for me, for instance, when I took Rawhide, I, I had experience and I, I, I took the second course. What is it called? Uh, the next level. Next yeah, next step. But I started off in the first because my wife was doing, it, I was going to do it with her. And they, once, once we kind of went through the first, what was it? The test or whatever. And they kind of say, Oh, you can actually go up to the next one. But even still in that first, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes, I'm like, huh, I should have been doing it this way the entire time, you know, cause this mm -hmm. is, this makes way more sense. And then, you know, you just learn to, to build on top of that and you build your skills. So just because you've been writing for 20 or plus years or 10 years or whatever it is, and you've done all these expeditions, there's always going to be something that you can learn in the basics or even just get reminded that something that you learned a long time ago that it clicks and you're like, man, I've been doing this wrong for so many years. I mean, I, I did a, a quick little video with Brett tax a few years or a year ago. It was actually at your place. Yeah. 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 He, yeah I remember he, that. Yeah. And he, and he pointed out something that I was doing and he's like, what you're doing is work. It, it works, but try this. And dude, it's every time I write now, I, I change that position in my foot and it makes all the difference. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, we, we talk about the, a lot about these, these, you know, these aha moments, right? It's like, yeah. that's the term. It's like, oh man, and you could see it when the light bulb goes off and somebody is just like, they just weren't getting it or they were chicken winging their knees out and stuff and like doing this little thing. And she's like, Hey, no, 
like this, you know, but move your, move your foot like this or this and that, the other. And then, then all of a sudden it's just like, boom. And then they start flowing. And you know, like I've had some people like when it clicked, they go, Woo! <laughs> like they just yeah, like yeah. yell in their helmet, like, Oh my God. Like, like, boom, there was that aha moment that just hit them. Like, man, I just learned something. Yeah. For sure. So what is, what's in the future of, um, awesome moto ventures? What's, what's next for you guys to, to start? Cause you said you've only been doing this for about a year. I know you guys have some big plans. Uh, what are some things that, you know, maybe you can kind of feel us in on to look forward to in the next, uh, one, two, three years. Yeah. So, so we are, uh, rolling out, um, this, this program with, with Harley, where we're going to be incorporating certificate and we're, we're test betting it with a few dealerships at first. Cause even just in our local area in, in Texas, there's like 30 or 28 Harley Davidson dealerships. Wow, it's insane, a lot, yeah. you know, in one state. And so there's a, a, a select few that we're going to uh, issue these certificates and they're going to build that in with, with, a with a purchase of a Pan America. So um, the fo folks that buy that, they'll get a full training class. It's going to have, um, you know, all for all three days, include the lodging food, I mean, everything, it's just, it's, awesome. the, it's the entire program. So that's great. Um, we're excited to see how, you know, how that takes off and how that's uh, pretty well received. And the, the other cool thing, I mean, we got a lot of feedback from the dealers and the dealers were just like, Hey, like, okay, well, what about the scenario? Like somebody buys this brand new Pan America and they don't want to go get it scratched up or they don't want to drop it. They're like, well, that's what we have our, our Harley Pan America's for, for yeah. you know, our fleet bikes for. And so we, we decided to throw that into the, into the package as well. Very um, cool. Where, yeah. To where they, it's like, even you don't have to ride your brand new Pan America. You can come ride one of ours and get the skills on the same exact bike and, you know, That's take awesome. that home with you. And yeah. do you guys have both the standard models and the, the adaptive ride height models? Um, all, they're all adaptive ride height. Models. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Nice. They're all premium then. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's been a, that's been a game changer for us, especially just, just in the instruction world alone because now that opens up that bike to so many people, um, you know, right. people of shorter stature, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of lady riders, they, right. um, Harley Davidson, I think has the most females riding motorcycles, like uh, just oh, naturally sure. within the brand. Right. And there's, there's right. such a big brand. And so now this opens up to where like they can stay within the brand and have a bike that's, that's of the appropriate, you know, that can adjust to the appropriate height you know, for them. So that's crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see really if other, crazy. if other brands start doing that in the future, since it is, it seems like such a popular selling point for that bike. Yeah. But, so yeah, BMW is within the new 1300 is coming with an, with adaptive ride height. Oh, that's right. Well, so. I, I totally forgot about that. And that's very yeah. true. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, it's been kind of neat because I mean, you know, with, with competition, right. You know, they're in competition with each other, but it actually pushes them, the manufacturers to do better, to provide something yeah. better. Yeah. And with Harley Davidson being the first to come out with this adaptive ride height thing, then, you know, that really pushed BMW to realize, yeah, we should, we need to have this on, on our next edition of, uh, of bikes. It's just a need because they, they modified it with just having the low seat, low suspension models. Right. Yeah. But from the dealer standpoint, they're just like, well, how many of those do we order versus how many of the standard height ones do we order? And, you know, that just really messes up the metrics. Now they can just order one bike that does, does, does it, all. it all. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Anything else coming down that um, guys can look forward to? Guys yeah, we've got, oh, man, we've got a bunch of, um, uh, a bunch of events. We got, we got some, some rallies uh, that we're going to announce and, and, 
I can't really say anything right now. Well, probably yeah. by the time this comes out, we'll like we'll have announced um, the, the the newest thing with with our with our rallies. But it's gonna, I'm super excited that that was a this was a big a big play that's that's coming in for us. Um, that's going to set us up for you know for for having some really big events. And then um, we then we are going to be shifting operations during the summertime when it gets ungodly hot here in Texas. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and we're going to be shifting our operations out West and uh, operating out of uh, Utah and Colorado. And we have oh, a nice. bunch of tours, uh, yeah, tours that we're going to be doing out in that in those regions. And we got something else we're going to be announcing. So just, yeah, stepping it up, stepping it up. Um, you know, they, he brought me in to, to try to, you know, clean clean up the you know clean up the business and, and then just prop us up to to get to this next phase and this next level and it's looking like we're going to be pushing into that next level here well well as many connections as you have in the industry i mean i feel like everybody that i talk to and that's in the industry like oh yeah i know josh it's like of course you do so it, i think that's that's awesome that they it sounds like they have the right guy uh to help to help grow this place and uh, if somebody is curious or wanting to come down to, to Texas and book a tour, or if you're in Texas, uh, where do they find you guys at? What's the website? It's uh, austinmotoadventures.com. Okay. And uh, on Instagram is atxmotoadventures. And um, you know, we're going to be rolling out some stuff on, on, on YouTube. We're going to start you know, doing, uh, upping our, our YouTube filming and, and posting awesome. a bunch of videos there and stuff. And you know, on Facebook is Austin Moto Adventures. Find us there too. And like I said, Josh is the most interesting man I know. So where can they follow, follow you on Instagram if they're wanting to, you know, just see all the shenanigans that you get into? <laughs> so my, yeah, my, my personal Instagram is Joshua SK Jones. Um, my, the YouTube page is Joshua. It says Joshua ask Jones. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's, it's Joshua SK Jones. the same thing. Gotcha. But yeah. Well, yeah, cool, man, dude, I, I appreciate all the the information that you brought on and just just chatting with you dude like that's yeah, we, we went a little bit long on this one but i don't care i mean people get to yeah. just hear <laughs> the conversation that we would normally have anyway for the most part um when yeah, we're exactly. together so yeah. dude i, yeah, I appreciate we, we didn't, um, you know there's so much more we can we can cover oh but. i mean we could turn this into like a six-hour tour you know this turn turn yeah. this into like a jocko podcast or something where they just go for hours <laughs> right. and hours but I'm trying to do people a little bit of a favor. We'll have you back on for sure at some point, maybe, maybe even from uh, Austin Moto Ventures grounds there. When I make a make a trip down, that'd be really fun. Yeah, man, you gotta um, come out. You gotta come out. I ride. will. I'll for it's sure be there in June. Trip. I've got we 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 go there every into Austin in that area every year, um, late June. So I'll definitely come check it out then. But I'm hoping to make a trip before that. Um, since there's a foot of snow on the ground that we got yesterday, I can't do anything here. That's why I'm doing these podcasts. <laughs> so I can't do anything here on the bike. So I will it, it take a great opportunity to, to run down and, or fly down and do, do something down there with you guys. So I really going to try to make that work, but man, um, again, thank you so much for coming on here and just, uh, having a conversation. Well, guys, I thank you so much for, um, watching this video or listening to this video on all of the streaming sites. Um, if you have any questions at all about Austin Motor Ventures, uh, definitely hit us in the comments below. Josh or I will hop on here periodically and, and answer anything we can. Make sure and follow Josh at his Instagram. Also check out austinmotoadventures.com or atxmotoventuresadventures.com. I'll leave it right here. You can check it out. But guys, once again, thanks for watching. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button for more content like this coming your way. And we'll see you in the next one.